This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. And this morning I am joined from the University of Minnesota. Julie Weisenhorn is back with us. Julie, good morning. Hey, Denny. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hope you are, too. Happy belated to Carl. By the way. <laughs> you had a big celebration for your husband. Yes, yes. He had a big milestone birthday last Saturday. So uh, that was a lot of fun. We had a good weekend. Enjoyed celebrating him. Excellent. Well, we're going to put you to work today, as usual, uh, answering uh, our Smart Garden questions, Lawn and Garden questions uh, for Julie uh, this morning. Uh, again, if you're familiar with the show, you know how busy we tend to get. So don't wait. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, by all means, call it in or text it in. Just one number will get you either. 651-461-9226 is uh, the number to remember. Uh, Julie, I wanted to talk to you about, I sent you a little note about uh, something I'm hearing and seeing, rather, 
a lot of comments from people about um, about a, a pretty invasive uh, plant, a flower, whatever that that <laughs> I guess I've heard of, but I, I never really thought about it. And it's called creeping bellflower. Yeah. Uh, talk about that if you would. What, what's the deal so, with that? Yeah. So creeping bellflower, the Latin name is Campanula repunculoides. And this is a horticulture import from Eurasia. And so it was brought in, in other words, as a garden flower. It is a plant that has long stems and multiple bright purple bells that hang down along this stem. So it's a very pretty flower. We see bees on it. Um, But it is a tough plant in your garden because it really takes over. It puts out a ton of seeds, over 15,000 seeds per plant. And it will also produce what are called stolons. And these are roots that go along the surface of the soil and then they actually project down into the soil too. They put out these kind of finger-like roots that go down. So it is a very difficult plant to get rid of. Uh, some of the lookalikes are harebell, which we see often up on the North Shore in kind of rocky crevices. It's a very fine, delicate plant. It also has a purple bell flower, uh, but not so many. And it's a little bluer color than the uh, creepy bell flower. And then there's Mertensia virginiana. This is a spring blooming, very truly blue uh, cluster of flowers. If you saw them side by side, you would not see the same. You know, you'd see the obvious differences. But they all kind of go under this name of bell of uh, bluebells. Somebody might say, "I've got some bluebells for you, Denny. Would you like them?" <laughs> and you go like, "Oh, yeah, that'd be great." And then you wind up with the creeping bell flower in your yard. So it's a difficult plant to get rid of. The things you can do if you are opposed to chemicals or want to try this first, you need to do some serious digging. So you need to dig down at least six inches and be sure to remove all the plant parts. So all the roots. Don't pull the roots out, but try to lift them out so that you get as much as possible. You're going to have to do this again. It's not going to be a one and done kind of thing. Uh, You can burn smaller plants as you see them coming up. The leaves are kind of a triangular shape and you can see them coming up and you can burn or mow them. So you can keep mowing if you have an area that will eventually knock down the health of the plant and the, but it won't work for mature plants. This is for seedlings only. Uh, It is a plant that grows in lots of different conditions, sun and shade and woods and fields. It grows in disturbed sites Also, uh, if you want to use some kind of chemical, if you've had it and you cannot get rid of it, you can use a glyphosate, which is a non-selective herbicide. So be careful where you use it or something called dicamba, which is a broadleaf herbicide. Now, I want to just caution people with the hot weather that we're having that some uh, pesticides, some herbicides that you use may do something called volatilization, where the, when you spray it, uh, and it's too hot, like in these 90-degree weather, this kind of 90-degree temperatures we're having, it can volatilize. It can turn into a gas and drift onto non-targeted plants. So be sure that you're reading the label. Uh, Dicamba, for example, should not be used if it's hotter than 85 degrees, which we've had and are going to have a number of days that are warmer than that, especially this weekend. So just be very careful with using those um, 
this plant is a tough, tough plant. And uh, people think it's pretty as long as it's small, but boy, it takes over super fast. Boy, that along with buckthorn, that's all we need. (laughs) And garlic mustard. (laughs) Shall we continue the list? We could do a show, a whole show on that. Uh, Oh, yeah, we could do a whole year of it. (laughs) In the meantime, Julie, let's uh, take a phone call. John has been waiting on the line, calling in from uh, Bloomington, I believe. Uh, John, what's your question for Julie? Good morning. I I belong to a large condominium complex, West Bloomington. city of Bloomington gave us uh, three free trees, and one was planted right outside my unit, and so I've been taking care of it. Uh, I've been watering it about uh, three times a week with, you know, a gallon of water each time. The tree is about an inch in diameter. Uh, we got these in May, and shortly after getting them and planting them, uh, the leaves started turning yellow, and some of the leaves started falling off. And I'm I'm a little concerned. Second part of my question is, I was n- noticed that uh, on my zonal geranium that I have outside, there's uh, Japanese beetles on it now, so they're coming back. Uh, those are my two questions. Okay, great questions. Thanks for bringing those forward. I'm surprised a little bit about the geranium and uh, Japanese beetles. They are being seen. We saw our first one uh, out where I've been uh, working on the foodscape landscape at the Arboretum. And I did see them in my friend Ruth's uh, garden on her roses. So they are here working on the foodscape landscape at the Arboretum. And I did see them in my friend Ruth's uh, garden on her roses. So they are here. The important thing about Japanese beetles is to get out there and pick them off of the plants. The more they feed, the more beetles are attracted to those plants. So there's something in the feeding that uh, attracts more beetles to the site. Kind of like, hey, you guys, come on over. This is delicious. So get out there and pick those beetles off. That's the first thing. You can drop them into a bucket of soapy water and, uh, and dispose of them when they're dead. So about the tree... I'm curious about what kind of tree it is, but um, so that would be important to know. Also, what kind of soil you might have. So if you have clay soil, for instance, and you've been watering the tree, it may be that the tree is sitting in kind of a big pool of water, kind of like a bowl of water. It also depends on how the if the tree was planted correctly. So these days, uh, the best way to plant trees, and this is based on research from our tree nursery at the... Um, Uh, at the university is uh, that we want to dig our holes wider and not as deep and that we if we have clay soil you want to really rough up the edges so that the roots can start to work their way out of the hole into the rest of the landscape when you plant a new tree you need to water it every day and considering rainfall uh, but every day for the first couple of weeks so you might have been a might have been watering a little, you know, not enough. But also, if you have clay soil, even watering less than normal, you're going to have that tree may be sitting in water. So it's important to find out a little bit more about the kind of soil that the plant is in. Maybe dig down, take a, take a shovel or a spade, dig down and check it out. If it is very heavy clay soil, uh, you may want to amend it with some compost, work that in around the root area, and uh, and that will help to relieve some of the compaction of that clay. If you have sandy soil, that compost will help also. 
that just means that it's draining faster than uh, than you it should be. That you need to water it more. So we do have a good web page called Water Wisely, and you can find more details about watering newly planted trees there. And that's on extension.umn.edu. And we'll mention that site, as we always like to do uh, during the show. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll uh, uh, take a look at some text messages, and we have a bunch of them here on the show. Stay with us on News Talk A30. This is WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming those lawn and garden questions either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is doing all the heavy lifting this morning, answering all those <laughs> questions by phone and by text. You know, before we do get back, and I know we have a bunch of text messages, uh, you okay. want to kind of follow up on the Japanese beetle issue, right? Yeah, because now we're starting to see them out there. It is the time of year, and they will be around for probably about eight weeks. So we need to pay attention to them. And uh, there is no getting rid of them. They are they are here to stay. So um, uh, I want to just point out that we do have a good web page called Managing Japanese Beetles, uh, and it has a lot of good tips for how to deal with the Japanese beetles. It talks about plants that they are maybe not as um, inclined to feed on, but they do feed on over 350 different kinds of plants. So they're pretty gen- pretty much generalist feeders. You can find that webpage on our yard and garden page at extension.umn.edu. Very good. Texter wants to know, Julie, what causes all the shoots coming from larger limbs of my uh, what I think are healthy trees? I'm seeing that a lot, too, lately. Uh, shoots from larger limbs, such as, uh, do you think that they're talking about, like, vertical shoots that come off those, like, those kind of sure. straight up? Uh, and and I'm mm-hmm. seeing them from the limbs. I'm talking about a, 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 a hibiscus tree now, because even from the ground up and from the uh, vertical uh, trunk, uh, they're coming out. Okay. So I assume that's what the uh, listeners are asking about. But just yeah. in general. Uh, well, there are different kinds of shoots, of course, that grow. Uh, one is called a water sprout. And these we see, especially after pruning, say, apple trees. And they grow through the year. Um, you'll see them in the spring, especially when the leaves have not uh, opened up yet. And they're very obvious. They 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 go right off of the branch. They're considered non-productive, and we prune those off. But they will produce. The tree will produce more when we prune. So uh, be prepared that every year you'll need to do that. And that's just a great way to open up the canopy of the plant. Other shoots like uh, uh, sprouts that are around the base of trees, those can be pruned off. Those are just um, suckers. They're called. And there are plants that are more prone to that. Apple trees are prone to that. Um, also some of our shrubs that sucker quite a bit, um, something like an aronia, a chokeberry will sucker. And sometimes you want that because these plants are creating kind of a colony. And sometimes you do want that kind of a colony. You want a spreading type of, uh, woody hedge, for example. So those you can choose to prune, um, as you wish. Uh, but just note that when you do look at plants, kind of learn about them when you're going to buy them and determine if a plant that suckers is one that you'll be able to manage appropriately or that you want for that location. Julie, a listener wants you to put on your entomologist hat now. 
and Wait a find out Let how do find I do it. it. <laughs> uh, getting, uh, I, I've seen comments, a lot of comments lately from people. What works to get rid of chiggers in my yard? Oh, I don't know anything about chiggers. That is not, and I can't even, even with two entomologist hats on, I can't even talk <laughs> about chiggers. But we do, I, I believe we do have a web page on that. You can read a little bit more about that on extension.umn.edu. Um, chiggers are tough because they, they're biting on us. So, yeah. Um, yeah, very uncomfortable. Maybe there's a spray, you know, pest Take control. I'm not sure. Department um, of Health actually may have something on that too because hmm. it is an, a health-related type of insect. But knowing They're our smart listeners, insect. as you do, Julie, we'll probably get some replies about that yes, uh, during yes. the show. It, it could be also – sometimes it's the conditions that we have. We've had such dry conditions. Sometimes that makes uh, an environment more prone to an insect. Uh, you know, yeah. The insect's like, all right, it's dry. So sometimes it's worse because of that. Here's another one for you. Good morning. It says, Japanese lilac tree, uh, is it necessary to snip off these spent flower seed pods? The tree is tall, very hard to reach at the top. You do not need to deadhead that tree. It's not okay. going to affect the bloom for next year. Here's another one. What growing zones will the lady slipper grow? Oh, well, the lady slipper is our state flower, the showy lady slipper. Um, I don't know if it grows anywhere warmer than zones four, um, but it mostly likes to grow in zone three, three and four. It may it may go down to Iowa in zone five and down to southern Minnesota, but um, I've mostly seen it growing in zone uh, three and four. Three and four. Mm-hmm. Another uh, critter question I have, Texas has so many ant hills with tons of ants in my yard. How can I get rid of them? Oh, boy. Yeah, ant hills are tough because those ants are pretty uh, pretty resilient. There are some uh, some treatments, some chemical treatments you can use for that. Uh, we do have a good page on ants. Um, you can also alter the conditions so it's very sandy. I have a lot of ant hills sometimes uh, when I ha- in my paver walk because I have sand between the cracks there, and so sometimes that will you'll start to see those mounds. You could kick them down. Uh, you can pour hot water down them, um, and the, and that may take care of some of the ants. They're, it's tricky. It's really hard to do that. You have to alter the conditions. They like that sandy, warm soil. This uh, listener, Julie, says, I overwintered tubular begonias. They did well, lots of green. Now right. they're outside and they're not flowering. What should I do? You may want to try um, a, a type of a fertilizer that has a high second number. That's the phosphorus number. And a lot of uh, phosphorus is, is important to blooming. So perhaps try um, kind of a stronger, they call them bloom busters and uh, kind of catchy names like that. But it's that high second number. Let's, uh, let's grab one more before we look at that hot forecast. The leaves on my tomato plants are curling up and the tomatoes had black on the bottom of them. I water daily. Am I overwatering? Well, the black on the bottom could uh, possibly be blossom end rot, and this is especially prevalent in the first tomatoes that you see on a plant. The curling is in, is in response to the heat, and it's a, it's a way that the plant is preserving uh, moisture in its leaves or curling over to protect the leaf from too much, from losing too much water. 
And, uh, and you can check out the blossom end rot information. It has to do with watering consistency. And it may be that the plant is, um, is not, is either getting maybe too much water or it's, or it's not being watered on a regular basis. So there are a couple different things you can do about that. Um, and oftentimes with tomatoes, it has to do with uh, if they're in containers that they, that they are outgrowing their container. They just need so much water. Sometimes you need to water twice a day with some of them. Okay. Uh, hang on, Julie. We have about another half hour of the show to go on our Smart Garden show here on CCO. So stand by. As I said, we'll uh, pick up on more lawn and garden questions after the weather here on Newstalk A3OWCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming those lawn and garden type of questions for Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Here is the number for uh, either, 651-461-9226. Julie, if we could uh, go back a little bit to uh, the subject of tomatoes. That's about uh, the only thing. Well, my wife grows more stuff than I do. But the, <laughs> I like the tomatoes, but I've learned, I have to say, I learned a bunch of stuff. From the U of M website, we can. That's really a, a great source, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got some specific pages just for tomatoes. I, I I was reminded of it with the leaf roll question earlier, and the uh, blossom end rot also. So one of the important things to know about the leaf roll is that this is a physical disorder of tomatoes. It's associated with this really hot, dry weather that we're having. Uh, it is also a, a strategy, as I mentioned earlier, for that plant to conserve moisture. They roll over and protect their leaf surfaces, which prevents, um, you know, it kind of holds moisture in those leaves. There's really nothing to do about it. Uh, it is just a condition of, of the situation that we have with the weather. And I want to just point that out because this is going to be the case going forward. Uh, the predictions are a hot, dry summer. So when you're looking at your plants, you're thinking, hmm, they're not looking very thrifty. They're looking a little wilted. They're rolling their leaves. Think about the conditions that these plants are growing in. So it is hot, it's dry, and it doesn't always indicate that there's a disease or an insect pest, but it's just a situation that the plant is doing. It's something the plant is doing to protect itself. So for, your, for all the tomato growers out there, Take a look at our tomato pages at extension.umn.edu, particularly look under plant diseases, and you'll see there's a page called Disorders of Tomatoes. And that is really an interesting page because I think most of the problems we have are disorders, are things that happen like the blossom end rot and the leaf rolling, things that there's nothing to do about it or there's something you can do about it. And about that blossom end rot, take those tomatoes off now you can slice off the bad part. You can still eat the other part, but then the plant can put more energy into growing healthier fruit. Hmm. Interesting. Again, check out the website for so much information, uh, extension.umn.edu. Uh, Julie, let's uh, grab a phone call. Florence calling in this morning on CCO from St. Paul, I believe. Thanks, Florence. What's your question for Julie? Well, I have a um, lake place uh, and I've been invaded, I believe, with curly horsetail. 
it has taken over the entire hill, and it's I don't know what to do about it. Curly horsetail. Hmm. Hmm. That is a really good question, Florence. <laughs> that might be the stumper of the day. <laughs> really, I looked Liz- it up on um, I, I well on the internet. I think I got the yeah. name from the University of Minnesota, I believe. Um, it's it's a native plant, I understand, and it's it grows um, apparently with the through the root system, okay. and it's just it's just uh it's killing everything i've planted on this hill at the lake is what it is it's just killing everything it's taking over huh well, well let's do this julie that's a let's really have good you question the next break <laughs> you 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 could do a little research a little homework when we do yeah, the next I break in a, a few look. minutes and uh maybe we can find out more about okay uh, yeah it's great you know that it's kind of fun because we're learning stuff every day right if i know keep our minds to i know it. that's neat. that's the truth Speaking of hot and dry weather, Julie, this texture says, should I cut off the blossom of my common hostas to reduce the stress on the plant? I don't think you have to. Uh, you know, of all of our perennials, those hostas are the, some of the toughest plants. Uh, you do not need to cut the flowers off. And, in fact, that uh, they're going to bloom. They're going to start blooming pretty quick here. But, yeah, I don't think you need to worry about that. Okay. Another listener wants to know what's the best way to get rid of thistles. Oh, thistle. Oh, my gosh. They're one of the toughest plants. If it's a Canada thistle, which is one of the most common ones, um, just FYI, these thistles have uh, roots that go down a couple of feet, and they branch out at two feet down. There's an excellent cross-section image from, I think it's from Purdue University, that I use a lot to explain why it's so hard to get rid of thistle. Uh, chemicals are the only thing that's going to get rid of thistle. Now, people burn thistle. That takes care of the top, but it doesn't do anything for the roots. The roots will just it'll just grow back. People pull thistle. You can't get all of the root out, so you end up leaving some root pieces in the soil. They sprout again. And this is part of the reason that makes them so difficult. Plus, they're incredibly hard to work in because they're so prickly. So really, you need to use a systemic chemical that will go, that the plant will absorb and move down through into the root system. It's, one of the, it's the only way to get rid of thistle. Okay. Another phone call. Joyce is phoning in from uh, Crystal this morning for the show. Joyce, thank you. What's your question for Julie? I'm wondering about oak wilt. I have an oak tree that's lost all of its leaves. Okay. So oak wilt is a plant, is a disease that transfers between oaks. It's moved uh, through forests by a beetle. And then as the roots grow together, say in a grove of oaks, they can graft to each other and they can also transfer it you know, from an unhealthy tree to a healthy tree. So it's a very, very important disease to be able to recognize and good for you for paying attention to your oak trees. Uh, The best thing to do, call a certified arborist, have them come in and assess it. It could be other things going on, but but you would want to have somebody come in. And we have a good webpage on that. It's on how to hire a tree care professional. It gives you good information, plus it gives you a link to where you can enter in your zip code on the International Arboriculture Society website, and 
you can find a certified arborist. Sometimes your cities will have an arborist also who can come out. It's very important to have this diagnosed correctly because that tree needs to come out uh, if it is truly infected with oak wilt so that you don't spread it beyond uh, your uh, that one tree. Um, we avoid oak wilt by not pruning up through the middle of July. That's uh, the high risk time is from April, early April through mid-July. It goes into a low risk uh, time after that up to about November. Winter is actually the safest time to be pruning oak trees. Yes. We're going to grab another call, but in the meantime, a bunch of text messages. Here's another one. I just noticed Texture says my sedum has uh, quite a few holes in its leaves. I've not seen Japanese beetles, but I'm wondering if they are eating the sedum or perhaps something else is happening. I don't believe they feed on sedum, but <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> uh, but I think I have not seen Japanese beetles on sedum before. It could be uh, damage from just a random uh, leaf feeding beetle. Um, if you can catch the culprit in the act, that's the best way, and then uh, properly have it identified. You can, if you can get a picture of it uh, happening, you can go ahead and send that into Ask Extension, which is on our uh, Yard and Garden page, and Master Gardeners will help you identify the insect. You can just take pictures of the holes in the leaves, but it's really hard to tell what might be causing that without actually seeing the pest. Okay, let's do this. Uh, you can do a little research if you feel like on that. Uh... Curly horsetail. <laughs> yes, the curly horsetail or whatever. I'm sure I, I think can't it's remember Echisetum. what it was. But you, uh, you do that, Julie, while we take this break, and we'll come back with some phone callers and uh, texters on our. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming those lawn and garden questions. Uh, uh, either by phone or by text, of course, 651-461-9226. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering those very questions this morning. Now, Julie, did you have any luck in locating any info? Oh, let's see. This is about, so this is a, I'm going to go out on a limb here, um, no pun intended, and uh, I'm going to figure that this is Echisetum scirpoides, which is a hardy and semi-evergreen plant. Uh, it is kind of curly, which is making me think that it's curly. Um, it is a uh, native plant here in Minnesota. So, uh, and it spreads in kind of shady, boggy, uh, wooded, moist, woody areas. So looking at the conditions that you have, if it's taking over, um, that may mean that you need to change some of the environment. I don't know if you're going to be able to pull it out. You can mow it when it's, when it's younger, but it may not be feasible to do that in the conditions that it's growing in. So what I would probably recommend is looking around the area and seeing if there's a way that you can open up the parts of that uh, area to maybe more light. Uh, that would mean taking down some trees, unfortunately, uh, or that you may um, decide that you're going to, I think it's kind of hard to treat it so uh, with a pesticide or an herbicide to, uh, to get, actually get rid of it. So it's, I don't have a very good answer, I'm afraid, but, um, but it is uh, fortunately one of the smaller of the echisetums. Right. Well, thanks and for checking that out. I don't out. have a good answer, really, uh, other than opening up, changing the environment. All right. 
Let us, well, we have callers, Julie, we have uh, texters, we have so much, so many folks to help out. Let's uh, grab a couple of phone calls. Pat's calling in from St. Cloud, I believe, this morning. Thanks for waiting, Pat. What is your question? Good morning. Um, my question is, I just bought a house, and it has a old um, flowering crab in it, which hasn't been maintained for many years. And I'm wondering if I could cut off some of the vertical suckers that are on the branches right. they are like two three feet just to give it some air and stuff so it doesn't get a fungus and all that stuff i mean i know it's going to be hot weather and stuff but um could i cut off some of these suckers i think uh ideally yeah ideally you would wait until winter to do that but uh, you are correct in that those suckers are called water sprouts are actually creating a denser canopy, which may uh, increase some issues or reduce some flowering in the future. Uh, the problem with cutting them off now is that the plant may be susceptible to insect, uh, uh, might attract insects, the cuts, or it could also uh, attract bacterial or fungal issues. So that's why we recommend pruning them in the winter. So unless there's a really significant uh, branch, say it's a branch that's blocking a window or um, or blocking a door, you, you could probably take those off. You might want to use a little bit of wound paint or a latex paint just to dab on that one spot. I would do it very selectively at this time of year. And I would really, if you can hold out till winter, I would. That's the best time to prune a, a crab apple tree. Okay. Another phone caller. This one. Uh, let's go to Shakopee. Cindy's calling in from uh, Shakopee this morning. Hi, Cindy. What's your question? Good morning. Thank you. I love your show. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, my rhubarb is very spindly. Uh, it's not seen to doing well. Does it need manure? And if it does, when should I do that? I'm sorry, Cindy, I missed the name of the plant. Rhubarb? Oh, rhubarb. Okay. Uh, and the rhubarb is, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you were just a little bit unclear to me. It's very spindly. Oh, it's very oh, spindly. spindly. Okay. okay. So rhubarb is a big feeder. This is a plant that needs a lot of nutrition. So I would say start uh, feeding it with a, like a, a vegetable type of uh, fertilizer. And it can be a general fertilizer. It doesn't have to be a specific one for rhubarb. It just needs to be labeled for vegetables and fruits. And uh, and I would do that. That will probably help to beef up those petioles. That's the part that we eat on the rhubarb. And also produce more leaves as we go into the summer. Right now, we're going to start to not harvest our rhubarb so that the plant can recover in time for it to go dormant in the fall and, and through the winter. So next year we'll have a better crop of it. Okay. This listener says this, Julie, uh, every year my clematis comes up, looks good, but suddenly wilts, turns dark, and dies. What needs mm-hmm. to be done to remedy this? So clematis are plants that like to have cool, moist roots, but they need a lot of sun. So it could be, that the, uh, could be a drainage issue. Uh, sometimes our soil is heavy and wet. Uh, I would work some compost in around the root area, being careful not to damage the roots. And uh, Or if the plant is relatively new, if you haven't had it very long, is to go ahead and move it into a sunnier location with better drained soil. 
Here's a lawn question, Julie. Uh, Tester says, I have a one-year-old lawn. I have these taller, thicker blades of grass popping up. Uh, he was checking around, Googling, things like that. says it's bluegrass. Okay. Uh, any way I can get rid of it. It's mostly by the lake. What does it sound like to you? Uh, boy, I wish John was on. He could answer yeah. that probably. It could be a, um, a, a tall fescue which has a very wide, broad blade. It, it might be also a, uh, I don't think it's crabgrass. I think uh, that's a flatter plant. It may be quackgrass. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Denny, do you think? Um, that's kind of what I found a couple of things mm-hmm. in my lawn uh, that, yeah. that ended up to be uh, quackgrass. And that sounds like it to me. Yeah, and quackgrass is a perennial grass. And it grows taller than our other grasses, like our other typical lawn grasses. So after you mow and you see this kind of clump grow up taller than the rest, that's, that's quack grass. The only way to get rid of it is either dig it out, which is very quite difficult as a big root system, or to treat, just spot treat that particular uh, plant or that area, and then remove the dead grass and then seed with a new, um, you know, the grass that's desirable. Okay, very good. This listener bought some fruit-slash-berry fertilizer to help the roots of my strawberries now that they are done and to help my raspberries as they start. But the bag says, only use early spring. Can I use it now? Oh, I would not use it now. I would save that and use it next spring. And I think that um, your plants probably would benefit from mulching, for sure. That would help to hold in moisture and that mulch will help to break down a little bit and add some nutrients to the soil. You can also use compost and work that in as well. And I would look for maybe a different fruit fertilizer. Take a look at uh, maybe go back to your garden center. You could return what you didn't, you know, if this product, if you haven't used it, you could return it. Or you could save it for next year and look for something that's more of a midsummer type of uh, fertilizer. I was looking ahead at uh, some of the text, Julie, and uh, that that uh, comment that one uh, listener had that you did the research on, uh, was it horsetail? Yes. This caller says, and maybe you said this, is referring to, and you said it, I think, equicetum? Equicetum, yep. Yes. Yes. Does that make uh, sense? Yep, that's right. That's a genus. Yeah, there's a few different species. Scurpoides, I think, is the one because she referred to it as curly horsetail, and that is a curly type of plant. Um, A couple of questions about, I know what you're going to say, too. Uh, (laughs) One is, uh, what can I use to prevent rabbits from eating hostas? And the other says, how to keep them away from my marigolds and hostas? Uh, And your answer would be? (laughs) offense (laughs) or i've had good luck with blood meal also we're using that out at the foodscape at the arboretum uh, to protect some of the younger plants and it seems to be working pretty well it is essentially dried blood from slaughterhouses ours happens to be porcine or pork (laughs) um but it is uh it's hard to keep them away from that. And and I'm curious because rabbits don't normally feed on mature hostas, hostas that have completely leafed out. They like to feed on those young shoots that are coming up in the spring. So maybe it's rabbits, maybe not. You can try blood meal. It does offer some nitrogen as well, a couple different nutrients in there. 
Um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, fencing is the best way and hardware cloth, yeah. I think is one of the best types of fence. Yeah. Keep them out of there. Julie, yeah. we have to run. We have less than 60 seconds to go. Oh you know gosh. what we should do? Not only give us the website, the U of M, but tell folks to get to the Arboretum. Give us all that in 20 seconds. <laughs> Extension.umn.edu. Remember, if you didn't get your question answered or you have follow-up questions, go to Ask Extension and send in. You can send in photos as well as information. And do visit the Arboretum. You need a reservation. You can get that at arb, arb.umn.edu. Beautiful out there right now. Uh, plenty of places to keep cool, too, even in the hot weather. And you can get some to eat there as well. Yeah, go into the eatery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Julie, thanks so much. Always uh, always fun. So we'll probably talk to you here in a couple of weeks or so. Sounds good, Denny. Have a good 4th of thanks. July, everyone. Yeah, you Be too. Safe. Be safe. That's Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, get to the Arboretum. Stand by after CBS News and WCCO News. We're going to be uh, joining Andy Lindis talking about home improvement. So if you have any kind of a home improvement question, keep those in mind. We'll be fielding those next hour. In the meantime, we're going to be hitting a high near 90 today. Right now, partly cloudy, 74. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.